0: God is great amen sure is thank you for that song thank you for being here once again and uh, Morgan tell the girls that thank you for the 70s 80s throwback with the bell-bottoms I used to wear bell bottoms believe it or not so I appreciate those not quite as fluffy as those but it was a good reminder of those days yep do you want bill Mullets are coming back too. Oh no. <laughs> bell, bo- bell bottoms, I don't mind, but mullets, <laughs> I don't know about those. <laughs> Who's got a mullet you know of, Bill? Uh, uh, Danny? <laughs> he looks like he's got a little one going there. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them out <laughs> they have the mullets? Yeah. really? my grandson had a mullet. Yeah, I didn't understand them in the first place. <laughs> my son, he's growing his hair out. He's not letting me cut it, and he wants to grow one. So I'm not, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, well. He just hasn't fell asleep hard enough where I can cut his hair. <laughs> Let's go ahead and turn to our scripture today. It's going to be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You've got a handout this week, so it's actually got some questions and statements for you to fill in some blanks. And so we've got a full-fledged sermon going on here, but uh, thankful for the opportunity to preach through the book of Philippians. I think it's a very impactful verse. I was talking to a pastor, a friend. It's probably one of the more quoted of the New Testament books anyway, and so we're familiar with a lot of it. But it's also a very rich book and we've, I think we've seen that already in just the few uh, verses and sermons that we've had in this. We've talked about several different things. We've talked about the importance of Christian fellowship and I can't help but think about those Christians who are in Ukraine right now and how important their local church is to them right now in helping support their needs, praying for the needs of the country, and we need that in the United States as well. We need that type of closeness and togetherness. Not because it's forced, as it is in Ukraine right now, but because we choose to be with our family, right? We choose to be with our family. And I'm thankful today for the crowd that we have. seems like steadily, but we've got more people coming back and new people coming as well, and so we're very thankful for that. Also in the book of of uh, Philippians. We've learned about repentance. We've learned about Paul's just steadfast purpose in advancing the gospel, almost at any cost, even at the cost of going to prison, even at the cost of some people preaching from the wrong motives, from preaching from rivalry and envious envy. And we'll get into that a little bit as well. Uh, but he definitely also wants us to reclaim our joy. We talked about that last week, but This week we're going to be talking about having the mindset of Jesus and how it brings great reward and how it also helps serve and advance the gospel as well. But really I want to talk about how having the mindset or the attitude of Jesus brings great reward for the Christian. And most people, when you talk about rewards, they don't, it's not something that they think about a whole lot. But uh, as I said, one of our lessons on Wednesday night has been on the rewards that we will reap as Christians. And so it fits really in well with what we've been studying on Wednesday night and doing here as well. And so let's go ahead and read our scripture, which once again is Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And then we'll we'll get into this and see about uh, the rewards that we have. So let's go ahead and stand in honor of God's word as we read the scripture. And then we'll pray and we'll get into this. So Paul says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Father, we're so thankful today for these words that you have given us to study. Thankful that they have appeared at this time in our lives and that you are ready to teach us what it means to be humble and what it means to have the attitude of Christ and the mind of Christ and really what it means for us to receive rewards for doing some of these things. And for many of us, that's foreign to think about that because we think when we think of awards we think of deserving something, and we certainly do not deserve our salvation. So we pray that you would help us to understand this, that you would help us to see selfish ambition and conceit in our very own lives today, and that we would have open hearts to fully surrender those things to Christ as well today. And we ask that you would forgive us for our lack of humility and set us on the right path today. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, probably you've heard this section of Scripture before, right? I'm assuming you've been in Philippians Mm -hmm. chapter 2. And whether it's on a Bible study or whether it's actually someone preaching on humility or on this section of Scripture, you've heard this before. And there's really many lessons within this that we could talk about. For instance, we could talk about selflessness. And Jesus certainly was... Selfless as he gave up his prerogatives in heaven in order to come to this earth and to live as a man. And when I say he gave up his prerogatives, prerogatives I have to add on to that, that at no time did Jesus ever become less than God, right? He, yes, he became a man, but he always retained that spark of, of divinity within himself. So yes, he became a man. Yes, he was selfless. But he did that at the same time as maintaining his full divinity. And so we see in this scripture his selflessness. We see exactly what humility means, and we'll be talking about that. We could speak on this about how we are to serve others. And finally, we could speak on on this about the lordship of Christ (laughs) and that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we will mention all of those things in our in our sermon today, but the main thing that I want to talk on is this idea of us having the mindset of Christ, and when we do that, it brings us great reward. And maybe some of you didn't even know this, but did you know that those who serve God and serve others will receive great rewards and will be great in the kingdom of God? Did you know that? (laughs) Will be great in the kingdom of God? And for many of us, it's, you know, if someone were to say, well, are you great in the kingdom of God? We would say, well, out of, uh, out of humility, we would want to say, well, no, I'm not great in the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm just a little part of the kingdom of God. But really, the scriptures say that we are to be great in the kingdom of God. In fact, our first point there is that it is highly desirable for us to be great in the kingdom of God. Of God, And the very example comes from Jesus himself in the last part of the scripture that we just read. And I will read verses 9 through 11 just again just to emphasize this. But look at the example of Jesus, his faithfulness to do what God had asked him to do and his reward for doing that. It says in verse 9 that therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we see in here that there's so many things that Jesus is commended for doing that he receives this exaltation. And let me be clear, we exalt Jesus Christ merely because of who he is, right? Because he is the son of God, because he is God in the flesh, we exalt him, we, we lift him high up, we uh, make his name famous because of who he is. But also it's very clear that God rewards Jesus for his obedience during his time on this earth. And we see that. We see that God has highly exalted him. He's placed him above every other person in the universe. He's highly highly exalted his name, and when we refer to the name of someone in the Bible, referring to his characteristics, and so Jesus is to be highly exalted and highly praised, and that's because of who he is, but also because of what he has done. He has been faithful to go to the cross and die for the sins of his people. And so, because of that, he's highly exalted. In verse ten, it says also because of this, that at the knee of Jesus, at, that uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I just think these are phenomenal verses. <laughs> If you're, if you're looking at this, you haven't seen this for a while, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That means everybody here today will bow the knee to Jesus and confess him as Lord and Savior. Just think about the implications of that. That will happen at some time in the future. Why not let it happen today, right? Yeah. That's that's the preferred way, is that it happened here while we are willing for that to happen and when we still have time for that to happen in order to gain salvation. And so if there's anyone here today who does not know Christ, then believe and trust on him, bow your knee to him, surrender to him, and you too will have eternal life. And so... It is highly desirable to be great in the kingdom of God. That's, we should be like Jesus. And obviously we're not going to be exalted in the same way that he is because he's the son of God. He is God who's come in the flesh. But this same promise goes for us as well. We will be highly exalted if we know Christ as savior and serve him as long as serving others. And so there are rewards for us as well if we serve with humility. If we serve with humility, and I want to kind of switch over to 1 Corinthians for a little bit, and read some scriptures that talk about the rewards and lack of rewards that we may have as Christians. So, 1 Corinthians 3:12 Corinthians through 15. If you want to jot that down, you can look it up later. I'll just read it for us. But Paul is talking about how we should build our lives upon the foundation of Christ. Once we are Christians, we should build our foundation upon the, upon the message of Christ. And he says, now, if anyone does do this, builds on the, on the foundation of Christ with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So I have a little note down here to explain the text of this verse. This is going to be my goal here is to explain the text of this verse and what are they talking about? Well, these different items that we can build upon the foundation of Christ Gold, silver, precious stones, works, or wood, hay, and straw are the works that we do for Christ. Amen? It's the works that we are doing for Christ. And Paul says some of them are going to survive the testing by fire. Some of them are not going to survive. In other words, some of them are going to be things that we do maybe for the wrong reason, maybe for the wrong motive, and Paul has been talking about this in the book of Philippians as well, right? Remember the preachers who preached out of rivalry and envy rather than out of pure motive of wanting of people wanting wanting people to know about Christ? They were preaching from improper motives, and this text says there may be people who want to do good works. They look like good works, they are good things, but they do them from improper motives. Those are the ones that are wood, hay, and straw. And when the time of testing comes, when we stand before Jesus and give an account of our lives, there are gonna be people whose lives are full of wood, hay, and stubble. And those are the works that they've done, not out of motive of true love for Christ or love for people, but it's gonna be those who do it out of vain glory or selfish ambition. (laughs) And it says that those works will be burnt that they will not last, they will not go in to the new kingdom. However, if we build the foundation upon things like gold, silver, and precious stones, and those represents the works that are done out of true love, out of true motive uh, of love for Christ and love for, for others, then those will not be burned up and they will pass on into the new kingdom. Notice in verse 15 should be a very concerning verse. It says that if anyone's work is burned up, in other words, it's from wood, stubble, or hay, he will suffer the loss of those rewards, though he himself will be saved, but as only through fire. In other words, there are going to be some people that get into heaven just by the skin of their teeth, so to speak. You know, they're going to do that because they place their faith and trust in Christ. And that is a gift, right? It's not something we do or deserve. We don't do works in order to deserve that. But all they will have to show when they go to Jesus is their faith and trust in Christ. There will be no rewards given to them, which I think is a sad situation. The Bible speaks plainly about rewards. And so I'm gonna take a little bit of time and go over some of the material that we would have in our Sunday or Wednesday night class to talk about what those, what those rewards are. And make no mistake, these are real rewards, right? <laughs> They're spoken of sometimes in the book of Revelation. They're spoken of sometimes almost as if they are symbolic language, language but these are real tangible rewards. The first is the imperishable crown. 1 Corinthians chapter nine, it says every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, which we know the Olympi- Olympians used to receive a wreath and it was, imp- it was perishable. It was something made up of plant matter that eventually died. So they do it to receive a perishable wreath, something that will die and pass away, but we do it for an imperishable wreath. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is an award, a a reward that's given to those who consider his walk with Christ as a race for which you train and strive to win. Amen, that's the way we are to be, right? This walk in Christ, it's not... It's not a walk in the park, so to speak. It's a race, it's a marathon, it's a long distance race. It's one we have to train for. It's one we have to persevere in to finish. And when we do, we will receive the imperishable wreath or the imperishable crown. That's reward number one. There is the crown of rejoicing and this is spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19. It says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Sometimes this has been referred to as the soul winner's crown. It's given to those who bring others to Jesus Christ. They are the ones who introduce them to the message of the gospel. They are the ones who receive them, help them to receive Christ into their life. This is the soul winner's crown given to those who bring others to Christ. Thirdly there's the crown of righteousness 2 Timothy 4:8 Henceforth there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but all who have loved his appearing This crown of righteousness is given to those who long for heaven it says that they long for heaven but they also have loved his appearing. And so those who will receive the crown of righteousness, I think are like many of us. We're looking for the second coming of Christ. We're longing for that day. And for those who do that, they will receive the crown of righteousness. Then there is a the crown of life. James 1:12 speaks about this. It says, blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And then also in Revelation 2.10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life is given to those who remain steadfast, to Christ during times of great trial. And so hopefully that will be us as well, right? That when we come under times of great trial, that these verses will come back to us and it will be an incentive for us to carry on and be steadfast even during very difficult trials. God will be faithful, by the way, during those times to give us the grace to go through those difficult times if they come to us, right? If they come to us, he will give us grace. Then there's the crown of glory. 1 Peter 5, 4 says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And this, this crown is for those who are faithful in shepherding their flocks. Could be pastors, but Dr. David Jeremiah says it also could refer to Bible study leaders. You have a Bible study. You're responsible for those, and those people in your flock and you are shepherding them so leaders, shepherds, pastors will receive this crown of glory um, as they shepherd their flocks. But you know what the greatest reward is? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus himself, right? Jesus himself. Genesis 15:1. one is Abraham and, and the Lord is telling Abraham, he says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Ultimately, our greatest reward will be the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And of course, this is a free gift, but there are indications in scripture that the closer we are to him on this side of heaven, the closer we will be to him on the other side of heaven. In a way that maybe we don't understand, we will be able to, those of us who are faithful to him, be able to Enjoy him more completely in the heaven that is to come. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. That happens today, right? That happens right now. We are in the process now. We're training ourselves in godliness. If you go to Sunday school, you are training yourselves to be like Jesus Christ in Godliness. That happens on this side of of the line of life and death. Verse eight goes on to say, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. That's a really important verse, guys. It says that physical training is of some value, right? Right? How many of you work out just a little bit? <laughs> yeah, we work out a little bit. we try, don't we? And that is of that is of importance that we do that because our body is the temple of God, so we should take care of our body. But if that is important, how much more important is it that we train ourselves in godliness, where it will have consequences into the into the heaven into heaven. Amen. It says, Bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And I believe that as we train ourselves in godliness in this life, that it will have great value and great reward for us in the life to come. And so we should should look to be great in the kingdom of God. In Matthew It says this in the first four verses, it says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, if you want rewards in heaven, then we must humble ourselves as Jesus humbled himself. He is our example, right? Even in the scripture that we have read today, he is our example. It is the, those who are servants of God and others who are great in the kingdom of God. We need to learn and relearn and continue to learn, to learn to serve with humility. And that really is the opposite to the way the world works, doesn't it? The rest of the world says, if I'm the leader, if I'm, if I'm greatest in this organization, then you will serve me. But the kingdom of God is different. It's the servants in the kingdom of God who, act, who are actually the greatest. And so we must have the right mindset you're still filling out blanks, we, we must have the, ro- the right mindset or the right mind or the right attitude about life in general and about what it means to be humble. And fortunately in the scripture today in verses three through about eight, they give us a very good example. Paul gives us a very good example, the Lord Jesus himself of what he went through in order to be a servant for us He says in verse three, he says, do nothing from selfish, ambition, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I feel like saying, why not start off with an easy one instead of a hard one, right? I mean, none of these are easy. None of these are within our human power, but it must be done by the Spirit, right? In submission to the Spirit. And so the very first part about humility is surrender of our way of doing things to that of the Holy Spirit. And he says that we must do it without selfish ambition or conceit. And Paul is bringing up once again these preachers who are preaching out of rivalry and selfish ambition. In other words, they're preaching so that they might look good. Paul preaches in humility so that Christ might look good. Amen? Amen. That's what we should do. We don't come before a group like this and stand up here to make a name for ourselves, but we come up here to, to make a name for Jesus Christ. And so in our personal lives, we don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit as well. But in humility, we must count others more significant or greater than yourselves. In other words, we must put their needs before our own needs very difficult thing for us to do. Humility is a word that we've talked about. We've not really defined it. It really means meekness, but it doesn't mean weakness. So when we think of Jesus, was he a meek person? Well, yeah, of course he was a meek person. He was a humble person. Doesn't mean he didn't take charge or know how to take charge, right? He could take charge, he could lead, but he led by example. He led as one who is a servant, willing to give his life up for his sheep, for his disciples. Verse number four goes on and says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Once again, putting your needs to the side. He's not saying not to deal with your needs at all. we got to take care of ourselves. We've got to take care of our family. But it says also that we need to, look at the interest of others as well. And so it's, it's an intentional effort on our part to do that, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. And in verse five, he says, this is the mind that you must have among yourselves. In, or, in other words, he's saying to the whole church, the whole church needs to have this attitude. We all need to be of one accord, that we are sacrificing ourselves in order to meet the needs of others. Not difficult, not hard, I mean, not easy to do, right? But that's why we have each other to help us to carry this out. He says Jesus deserved all glory and honor, right? Deserved to be in the best place, not born into a stable or a manger, but should have been born in a place of, of royalty and elegance and regalness. But he wasn't. Instead, what did he do? It says he was, in essence, divine God. He was in the form of God. But he was willing to give up that and not hold on to that. But he emptied himself of all of his prerogatives, I guess you could say, and took on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. You might notice in verse six, that that scripture is really hard to kind of put into words that we understand, right? But it means that all of the prerogatives that he had of being creator of the universe, he didn't let them go, he didn't, not, he didn't become someone who is not God, but he set them aside in order to take the form of a man so that he could die for our sins. He emptied himself. He gave up his prerogative. He sacrificed himself. Verse eight, it says, when he found himself in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus is our example of how to be great in the kingdom of God. He will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. There will be others who will be great in the kingdom of God. Some of us will be great in the kingdom of God. Not because of our works, but because of how he has inspired us to to be great. Now what happens to these crowns? Does anyone know what happens to these crowns that we will receive? (laughs) It tells us in Revelation 4, 9 through 10, this is probably the best part. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, which is Jesus, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, or Lord, our Lord and God, to receive honor and glory and majesty. He's worthy of that, right? Amen. And so we don't keep our crowns for ourselves as though there's something we're going to put up on the shelf and draw attention to us. But when we receive these real concrete kind of, of crowns, we will cast them at the feet of Jesus. Because it's only through him that we could have done any of that at all. And he will receive all glory and honor. Amen. Amen. He deserves that. Somehow I got over into another sermon. I got so excited. So I have these questions for you today. Will you be great in the kingdom of God? Even saying that question is like, ah, you you really think you're something, right? But it's not about that, right? It's not about that. It's about being a servant. Will you be humble humble and not prideful? And I have no problem saying that to this whole group because we all struggle with that, if we're honest. We all struggle with not putting ourselves first and seeking out us first. It's very hard to put people first without some kind of getting something out of it, right? We might put somebody first if we get something out of it, but it's hard to do it and not expect to get anything out of it as Jesus did not get anything out of it. Will you be humble and not prideful? Will you be a servant of others? Not someone needing to always be served. And by the way, if someone wants to serve you, let them do it. (laughs) Right? If someone wants to serve you or bless you or buy your meal, let them do it because that will be adding to their reward. And it's actually showing humility on your part. Will you instead be ready to serve God and others? And that is my desire. My desire, I'm working on this as well, myself. Will you you instead be ready to serve God and others, not yourselves, be served? So do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Be humble, and you will receive great reward that you will cast at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your word. and Your word is so challenging to us. When we slow down and take it just as it is read and, and written to us, it is so challenging to us that sometimes we wonder how can we do this? But you've also promised us the Holy Spirit. And every believer here today has the Holy Spirit. And so we call upon you to empower us to do better in this area and to be humble in our lives and to put others first and to be willing to sacrifice our time, our effort, our treasure, for the good of others, especially when it comes to sharing Christ with others. Help us to remember that our time, even our time is not our own, and that it might be beneficial, it might be humbling for us to set aside a time where we designate it specifically as time where we will share Christ with others. Father, we want them to know Christ as we have known you. And so humble us, make us your servants so that we can tell others and serve them. In Christ's name we pray, amen.